Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced at the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri country in Melbourne and broadcast across this continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm Tisha Nahern. Once again, is Latrobe Valley being a sacrifice zone for an international company to burn coal? Hydrogen has been touted as the next technology for power storage in both large and small scale. It is often talked about as a green energy solution, but it all comes down to how the hydrogen is produced. In February this year, Victoria's Environmental Protection Authority, the EPA, approved a trial project to convert brown coal to hydrogen. Led by the multinational corporation Kawasaki Heavy Industries, it would involve building a test plant to extract hydrogen using brown coal from the Luoyang mine in Victoria's Latrobe Valley, to then be exported to Japan. It seems that both state and federal governments are again colluding to prop up this zombie coal industry at the very time that we need to be rapidly moving away from this dirty and damaging fossil fuel. Cam Walker is the campaign's coordinator at Friends of the Earth Melbourne. I started by asking him what his concerns are with the project. So I think we're all pretty clear by now that climate science is making it very clear we need to transition out of fossil fuels as fast as possible if we're going to avoid catastrophic climate change. Um, And the concept of uh, new uses of coal, which is predicated on what they call clean coal technology, is being promoted at, at this very kind of last minute stage of the process when coal is starting to be seriously considered as needing to be phased out. So it's, it's arrived at a really interesting time. The story of the coal to hydrogen project actually um, has its beginnings in the Fukushima disaster in Japan in 2011 when a nuclear power plant was damaged in, in a wave that happened as a result of a tsunami. That led to dramatic energy shortfalls in Japan That led to the Japanese government wanting to transition a lot of their energy mix across to hydrogen, and hence this project here in Victoria, which is being done by uh, primarily Japanese companies, a consortium of different companies. Um, Our concern is primarily that we should be keeping fossil fuels in the ground, not finding new uses for them. We have a concern also that this is a red herring in the conversation that Victoria and more broadly Australia has to have around the need to transition from coal because it it presents this false hope that maybe we can keep digging up coal. And it's also predicated on the notion of carbon capture and storage working. And at this point, uh, that technology is going nowhere. And without that technology, the coal to hydrogen project can't proceed. And so therefore, we think that it's, it's, it's basically negligent for the government to fund this project when the CCS, the carbon capture technology, is not ready to go at commercial scale. So let's drill down onto those uh, three main concerns that Friends of the Earth has. Firstly, around the continued mining and uh, burning of brown coal in Victoria in the Latrobe Valley. Then in the uh, carbon capture and sequestration, uh, which is proposed to happen uh, as an as-yet-unproven technology. And then the export via the Port of Hastings 
this announcement uh, by the EPA to to give the go-ahead to this project seems to fly in the face of Victoria's commitment on climate change. Absolutely it is. So our uh, government, the state government, has committed for Victoria to become net carbon neutral by mid-century. So that implies every year from now we have to be producing less emissions, not more. Uh, In order to do that, the government will create what are called ERTs, emission reduction targets, in five yearly intervals. Um, And so it does fly in the face of that because it will increase our emissions. This project, which seeks to use brown coal from existing mines and convert it into liquid hydrogen, which will then be used in Japan, potentially for transport, for energy use in the residential sector, say as we use uh, natural gas at present and potentially in power stations, uh, needs to be processed on site in the valley. And then the, the, the carbon that's in the coal needs to be basically separated out and are then basically buried in old oil or gas wells. Now, the current theory is we have a state government project called CarbonNet, which has been looking to sequester that carbon in old um, oil and gas wells offshore from Victoria in the 90-mile beach area, so in the Bass Strait. Uh, The problem with this is that this technology, CCS, um, has absorbed around, uh, well, more than $1 billion of taxpayer money since 2003, and yet it's delivered very little. So um, the government has approved this project in pilot form, even though it can't proceed to commercialisation because the CCS technology is not ready to go, let alone ready to go uh, at an economically viable uh, viable, uh, kind of level. So, yeah, this is um, a a really disappointing intervention. It's at odds with what the government has committed to. It's at odds with what the technology can deliver. And it's certainly at odds with community expectations because I think most people are realising the time for new coal is long over and we need to be transitioning away from coal and not further entrenching uses of brown coal. So in addition to that, we have the then the logistics of exporting the liquefied hydrogen to Japan and the proposal is for that to happen through the port of Hastings. Now, what will be the environmental impacts of, of it, that export? So the complicating factor here is that it will be uh, co-located with a floating liquid natural gas, LNG, uh, plant, which will will sit in Western Port Bay for the next couple of years, which is put in place by AGL or is intended to be put in place by AGL in order to... um, deal with what they believe will be a shortfall uh, in coming winters in terms of gas supply in Victoria. This is counterintuitive because we already generate a, a lot of gas in Victoria and we export half of it. So why would we continue to export gas when we've then got to import gas? So on face value, that doesn't work. But this pilot project for coal to hydrogen, which is in a pilot phase, which if successful will be uh, shipping off a small volume to Japan, will need to um, occur through the co-located facilities in Western Port Bay. Local groups there are really concerned about the impacts of potential dredging uh, on Western Port Bay to have large ships um, basically visiting the the upgraded facilities there that will be required for the LNG facility. They're also concerned about impacts on adjacent mangrove uh, estuary ecosystems just pretty much adjacent to this facility. So there's direct environmental impacts through the dredging and potential for um, 
damage to the mangroves. There's obviously huge climate change impacts because at this point carbon capture and storage isn't working um, and we're not convinced that the AGL uh, plant is necessary because we are exporting so much gas at present. So we don't actually believe that the economic case stacks up because the coal to hydrogen project simply can't work without the LNG project proceeding, certainly not at scale. Hydrogen technology has been talked about for quite a few years now in terms of a technology to store energy and potentially to store energy created via renewable generation. Can you give us just a bit of a basic introduction to hydrogen and why this might be used to greenwash uh, dirty old coal fire power generation? Yes, so you can convert coal to create hydrogen, as is planned um, in the Latrobe Valley. You can also use electricity to split water into hydrogen and oxygen. And uh, there's actually a couple of other ways you can, what they do, what they call reform natural gas in large plants, and you can gasify biomass, so plant materials. But the main game at present is using electricity to split water into hydrogen that can then be used uh, in the same manner that the converted coal is intended to be used. And there's a lot of excitement at present around the idea of using renewable energy to do this because renewable energy is much cheaper than coal and it can produce energy 24 hours a day when we're not actually using the electricity. We have obviously in both commercial use and domestic use times in the day of peak and times in the week of peak. So the theory would be that we can establish hydrogen production plants that rely on renewable energy that operate during the off-peak time. So they're using electricity very, very cheaply uh, to produce this hydrogen and that could actually become an export industry for Australia because we will in in coming decades have a, a surplus of renewable energy and at certain times of the day we already have a surplus of energy because production becomes at times beyond the requirements of the system. So it's been seen by, for instance, the federal ALP and a lot of people in industry as being a uh, you know, potential growth sector and alternative to coal. We are, in principle, very supportive of this. We think it's essential that we need to understand the environmental impacts of how much water we would be actually allocating uh, to this because, of course, it does rely on water uh, which is often in short supply in many parts of Australia. And we would also be very interested in the environmental and climate impacts of, of producing hydrogen when potentially it could be better uh, to be using renewable energy electricity directly rather than converting water into gas. So we think that there's a lot of fine print detail that needs to be considered before we wholeheartedly embrace this approach, but certainly as a top order concept, we'd support further investigation of producing hydrogen from water using renewable energy. For listeners who are concerned about uh, this proposed project and maybe want to get involved in a campaign uh, to stop the sort of rehabilitation of, of coal mining and, and coal, brown coal use, what can they do? Can they get involved with Friends of the Earth? Uh, so at this point, the 
project has been funded. So the pilot project has been funded through a combination of state and federal money and uh, money from Japan. So there's not much we can do about the existing pilot project, but I think it's really essential that if it were to be proved at a pilot scale and then there was an attempt to commercialise it, that would need to become a major campaign in in Victoria uh, that would need to be opposed by people. So it would be great if people could track what's going on. They could just keep an eye on the Friends of the Earth Melbourne website uh, just to kind of keep up to speed on that. If you wanted to do a website Search for Friends of the Earth Carbon Capture and Storage, you'll be able to pull up a, a briefing paper that outlines our concerns with carbon capture and storage. Um, and I think really what we need to be looking to is um, how public money is used in future to fund these sort of dead-end projects. So obviously in early May we have the state budget and uh, in the coming months we'll also have the federal budget and that's the point where we will know whether federal and state governments intend to keep putting public funds to these sort of dead-end projects. So hopefully people can pay attention to the budget process and uh, hopefully there will be no future public money poured into this uh, technology. But if there is, it's essential that we start to get mobilised to, to resist the further development of these sort of projects. Cam Walker from Friends of the Earth, Melbourne. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. Today, we're looking at the greenwashing of coal with Victoria's trial coal-to-hydrogen export project. The newly announced coal-to-hydrogen facility will be located in the Luoyang Coal Mine Complex in Victoria's Latrobe Valley. Coal mining and burning has had a devastating effect on the people and environment in the valley, Wendy Farmer is the president of the community group Voices of the Valley. I started by asking her how she felt when she heard the news about the project's approval. Well, it does seem like another coal-wasted money project, doesn't it? You know, hundreds of millions of dollars into a project to make such a small amount of hydrogen as a pilot um, when you can make hydrogen from renewable energies. So why would you even consider using, I think, 160 tonnes of brown coal for such a small amount of hydrogen when there's other sources that would have to be much cheaper. That's right. Well, as Giles Perkins has noted in the Renew Economy publication online, um, it's 500 or over 500 million when you take into account all of the government money that's been poured into it to produce a minuscule amount of uh, hydrogen. And uh, that's compared with ACT in South Australia that are going ahead with hydrogen projects uh, from uh, solar and wind at a fraction of the cost. So looking at the Latrobe Valley, what are the concerns that Voices of the Valley have about this project in terms of how it's going to be affecting residents of the Latrobe Valley? Well, I think initially, you know, one of our concerns is if that money was actually thrown into Latrobe Valley towards a just transition, it would make much more sense. 
and there's lots of things that can be done in Latrobe Valley in renewable energy. I think we, one of our big concerns is what impact it has on the health of our community. Once again, is Latrobe Valley being a sacrifice zone for an international company to burn coal, to have a try at something, you know, <laughs> when they start talking about the bigger project and carbon capture and all those sorts of things, there is no proven technology for this sort of stuff. So why aren't we looking at carbon capture before we even start trying to produce coal from hydrogen? It's just ridiculous that it's just a waste of money. It continues to be a waste of money throwing up the Trove Valley on coal projects. The term that you use there, sacrifice zone, now, look, a lot of listeners will be familiar, but maybe just run us through briefly just the history of the Latrobe Valley as a sacrifice zone for for power generation in Victoria. Well, Latrobe Valley has been, been the source of Victoria's energy for 90-plus years. We, we've burnt the brown coal that has impacted on our environment. You know, Latrobe Valley is known for the high incidence of health issues including heart disease, respiratory disease and cancers. So that's why I use a um, sacrifice zone. Our community has been happy to actually produce Victoria's energy and Tasmania's and some to New South Wales um, for those 90 years. But it start, it, there has to be a period when we can do things better that we start looking at the Tro Valley and saying, well, how can we make them the area that actually produces this renewable energy now, whether it be producing it, whether it be storing it, or whether it be manufacturing to build the technology that we are starting to use in renewable energies, as well as that investigation of what's next. I don't think we've even touched the size of what will be the future of energy. I think there's so much more that we will learn as we go along. How can Latrobe Valley play a big part in in the new technologies. It's really important that, as I said, we've sacrificed for 90 years. Now, how does Victoria and the rest of the state support the Tro Valley? Now, Voices of the Valley has put a lot of work into developing a proposal for a just transition for the Latrobe Valley. You've been looking ahead for quite a while towards the closure of the coal-fired power stations in the Latrobe Valley. There was a lot of news around the Hazelwood power plant closure, but there's still other power plants in the Latrobe Valley. So Voices of the Valley have a vision for the future. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that, about your plan for a, for a just transition for your community? Absolutely. Voices of the Valley do have a vision, but Voices of the Valley have never been about closing coal-fired power stations because they will close themselves. Coal is coming to an end, we know that, they will close themselves. So our vision is not to talk about moving away from coal. We talk about moving towards renewable energy. And it's about training the workers for where they need to go. It's about having tickets that the workers have. So at the moment, if you work in a power station and you can change a high-voltage transformer, you technically can't change the power point inside a house if you're an electrician. So having those the tickets for workers recognised. Um, it's about preparing the community for what is next, but actually dreaming and visioning what is next and having our community move towards that. We're not pushing people away from coal. We're moving to the, our new future, which will be cleaner. 
With the announcement of this uh, trial project, the coal to hydrogen project, there's always the promise of uh, jobs, which is made to communities when these sorts of projects are announced. What's your position on that? Is is this really the future jobs in the valley? Look, I don't think this project has actually got many jobs at all. When you really look into the nitty-gritty, and in the end they're probably going to say that they have to bring the people from overseas because they have the expertise. Um, I think we've got to be careful that we don't take prioritised jobs over health of our community. The health of our community, our children and our future generations is more important than a couple of jobs and profits go into international companies. So we have to start being smarter. We have to start looking at what is cleaner and what is going to protect our families. Uh, For other communities in coal mining and coal power generating regions who would be looking towards the Latrobe Valley and the work that groups such as Voices of the Valley have done, what can they learn from the work that you have done there with Voices of the Valley? Well, I think initially they can work, they can learn from Latrobe Valley on what happened with the Hazelwood Power Station and make sure that their community isn't caught out like the Latrobe Valley community was with the international company closing their doors, giving the workers five months and you're out of work after promises that we're going to be here for till you know, 2028, another 10, 12, 15 years. So I think that's the first thing. Let's start making talking transition and what happens with our communities in everyday conversation. How do we work as community with agencies and governments, which we need to, um, and politicians, to make sure that our communities are looked after, that the community has input into what their vision is for their community, and they work together to achieve it. And that's what we're trying to do in Latrobe Valley. Let's create a vision, let's work together and make sure that our community is left in a better place than we were initially. Voices of the Valley is now at the stage where we have gone and spoken to many other communities about transition and and how communities can work together. And we've just come back from Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. We've been up to um, Gladstone and a few other places and we're prepared to share our story our visions and our hope that other communities learn from what's happened in Latrobe Valley and we do it better because we must do it better. For those listeners who are in uh, the cities who are the beneficiaries of regions such as the Latrobe Valley producing the power that powers our cities, what what can we do to support communities such as yours in your fight for a just transition and a healthy future? You know, Victoria and the rest of the states owe it to the coal communities to really start looking at how they can support those communities, speak to those communities, discuss with those individual communities what they need. Please don't go in there and tell the communities what they need because it just doesn't work. So talk to the communities, find out where they they are at the moment, offer skills, offer hope with them and work with them to achieve what they need. Wendy Farmer from Voices of the Valley. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's national environmental justice program. I'm Tisha Nahern, and the song featured on today's show is Get Fooled by Mojo Juju. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. 
Or if you're listening via iTunes or any other podcasting service, why not rate us and leave us a review? It helps spread the word. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters. All they do is talk, talk, talk on the radio, talk, talk, talk on TV, want, want, want all the time, and ain't, ain't, ain't what you need, buy, buy, buy what they're selling, buy the lies that they're telling, you do well not to listen, business ain't in the business.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.